uh, we are in between preaching. Hold on. Uh, but I wanted to preach on something that God's really put on my heart over the last few weeks as we've been um, going through our bread reading and as I've been doing my own personal reading, and that is what it means to grow in unity and maturity. And so that's what we're going to be talking on today. We're going to be mostly in Ephesians 4, so if you've got one of our church Bibles, that's page 1175, so you can put a finger in that and we'll come back to it a little bit later. But first, I've started to notice a bit of a worrying trend when I talk to my friends. Now, I feel very blessed in my life. I've got a number of friends that I've known for a, number, a good number of years now, two to three decades, people that I've known from school or from church or university that I've managed to keep in touch with. And, uh, and we've been through the highs and lows of life together, which has been great. So a lot of them were at my wedding, and uh, we've uh, got photos of them holding our children when they've just been born. And then I've done the same thing, gone to their weddings as well, and uh, watched their children grow up too. And it's been a real pleasure to uh, be alongside friends for many, many years and seeing them grow and, uh, and, and, and grow up and mature. That is not what worries me, though. What worries me is what's happened to us as we've aged. If I was to go back and show you some of our WhatsApp messages, some of our text messages from our early 20s, it was all about our favorite TV. The world was ahead of us. We could do anything. We were out all night and up early in the morning. There was nothing that could stop us. We were full of energy and talking about all of the exciting plans that we had, uh, the places we were going to travel, the places around the world we were going to go, all the things that we were going to get up to. Fast forward now. I'm in my very, uh, very early, late 30s, and, uh, <laughs> and my WhatsApp text messages look very different. Uh, I'll, give you, I'll give you a little insight into them. The last ones that I've uh, had is a long conversation about the right kind of home insurance to get, <laughs> the best uh, marketplace to go and find okra, Wareham, by the way, if you're looking for okra, uh, recommendations on an electrician, and even an apology that I didn't get back to somebody because I went to bed at half nine because I was too tired and missed their message until the next day. Uh, it's a far cry from my early 20s, and I'm sure uh, the Nathaniel of the early 20s would be shaking his head at what's happened to me now. Uh, okra is an unrated vegetable, by the way, so... <laughs> just in case that's not clear. It used to be the case that if you got into trouble, there was an adult who could come and help you out. But worryingly, I am now that adult. I'm the one that has to come to the rescue when my child gets stuck after climbing up somewhere too high. I'm the one that's got to go and sort it out. As a young man, I had no need for insurance. Now I've got strong opinions on it. Do you know what I mean? What's happened? What's gone on? But this morning, I want to talk about it because it is something that God's been speaking to me about over the last few months, what it means to grow up and to grow up into maturity, because growing old is an incredible privilege. How about this in Proverbs 16, verse 31 says, gray hair is a crown of splendor. It's attained in the way of righteousness. So the next time somebody points out a few gray hairs, you can turn around and say, this is a crown of splendor, mate, okay? That's what I've got going on here. Unfortunately, I will never have the opportunity for a crown of splendor, maybe a beard of splendor when it comes in. But there you go. But what I want to talk about this morning isn't physical growth, but we're not talking about aging. We're talking about spiritual growth and maturity of faith and what it means to deepen our faith as God grows us more and more into the likeness of Jesus. And that's what I'd love to talk to us about today. And for this, I'm going to start in Ephesians 4, but I hope to actually be able to show you that the theme of Christian maturity is sown throughout Scripture. And so we're going to be dotting around a little bit and having a look at what the Bible says about growing in maturity. First, let me start by reading from Ephesians 4 for us. We're going to go from verse 1 down to verse 16, so you can read along in your Bibles. It's not going to come up on the screen. It says, as a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. 
Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of, of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called, to one hope when you were called. The, the one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, the Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. It's why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended mean except that he's also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So Christ gave, him, uh, gave him, uh, himself, gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we'll no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people with their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body is joined and held together by every supporting ligament and grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So the writer of our letter here is Paul, and Paul is concerned with unity and spiritual maturity for the church, and actually probably churches that he's writing to in Ephesus. Ephesus is this major city in uh, Asia Minor, what's now Turkey, and like all major cities, it held a variety of different religions and viewpoints and cultures and beliefs. You could think of somewhere like London, somewhere that's very cosmopolitan and has uh, lots of different trade and uh, people and vibrancy. Uh, it's in that context that Paul is writing to the church to encourage them to grow in their faith and to do so together as the body of Christ, which is the church. Paul's responsible for writing a good chunk of the New Testament. Lots of it we've looked at here as we've come together week after week. And lots of his writings is in the form of letters to churches and to individuals to give them wisdom and strength and to build them up in their faith for the mission that they've been called to. And this letter is no different. Paul's writing to bring an encouragement to this church in Ephesus and to strengthen them. And these letters are meant for our strengthening and our encouragement too. That's how we're to read them. Paul's letters always encourage the church to look to Jesus and to deepen their faith and understanding in who they are in Jesus. And this requires us time and time again to come and understand the depths that Jesus went through to save us and to rescue us, which is why we speak about what Jesus does for us unashamedly week after week after week, because we want these truths to be known to us, for us to remember them every week, every day as we go about our lives. We want to grow in the knowledge and understanding of them through reading of scripture and praying and meeting together with fellow Christians. It's a little bit like weight training. Matt said you've started going to the gym this week, haven't you, doing your weight training. In order to get strong like Matt, you need to weight train often, okay? It's the only way that you're going to build muscle. You have to be purposeful in exercise in building them up. If you want to learn a new language, it takes time, doesn't it? You have to invest in apps and lessons and practice to be able to grow until you're fluent. And so it is with our Christian maturity. It's forged over time by regularly reading scripture and praying and meditating and being with God and being in Christian community. And that's what this passage today is talking about. It speaks of being in unity as a body of Christ, and it speaks about maturity and coming together, iron sharpening iron as we come together and remind one another of the promises of God and what it is that we've come here to sing about and to talk about and to sit under the word. 
Bible commentator Matthew Henry says, we should grow up towards maturity, which is opposed to being children. The more we grow into an acquaintance with Christ, faith in him, to love him, depend on him, the more we'll flourish in every grace. Mutual love among Christians is a great friend to spiritual growth. That's the goal. That's why we come together. We want to see spiritual growth in one another. We want to point one another towards Jesus to see each other develop and mature. When Paul writes to the church in Ephesus, his plea to them is that they make every effort to growing up in the faith that they now have. It's his goal for them, and this is his words and not mine in Ephesians 4, is that they reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. The whole measure of the fullness of Christ, and that requires maturity in us. So when we look at Ephesians 4, the focus is actually often on the uh, gifts given to the church. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, preachers and teachers. Sometimes you might even hear them called the Ephesians 4 ministries. And there's a whole other preach that we can give that talks about those in great detail and the gift that they are to the church. But the point of these gifts is that they're given to the church so that the church can grow up in maturity to understand the whole measure of Christ. That's why we do it. We come together. We want to grow up and mature in who we are in Christ. And that's our goal as we come together week after week, as we do life together, as we sit in community alongside one another, disciple one another and attend life groups and have fun together and grow in friendship together. We also want to be growing in maturity together, to see that in one another, that we might become mature as Christians. We want to be a church that supports one another by pointing each other to Jesus and reminding each other of the truth of Scripture, speaking Jesus into people's lives and situations when trouble comes. Together we want to grow up and mature and deepen our faith. And Paul tells us why. Verse 14 and 15 of Ephesians 4. Then we'll no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blowing here and there by every wind of teaching and the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head. That is Christ. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be tossed about by the waves of life. I want to be one who is anchored and rooted into something so that I'm not. And that anchoring, like that tree that you see there, that rooting down, it requires maturity. And I think our culture at the moment is actually very quick to tell us what to believe on a range of different issues. Rich even talked about it last week. This is a big election year in the UK, not just the UK though, the US, India, and a lot of other places around the world this year are going to be experiencing elections. And we're going to be bombarded, like Rich said, with different truths about what each political party is going to do for us and how they're going to save us and how they're going to make life better for us. And the problem with that is, I mean, even in this country, you've got different political parties and you can look at each one and you can think, yeah, but I mean, which one's actually the truth? Which, of, all the, of all the truths that each of these parties are talking about, which one is true? Which way do I go? Who do I vote for? How do I decide? How do I decipher what the world tells me is the right thing for me and for my life? Actually, a mature Christian knows that what the world preaches is temporary, but what God teaches is eternal. And to avoid being blown about by the winds of culture or the latest trend or political viewpoint, we need to hold firm to the truths that are eternal. And that means constantly going to and filling ourselves with and reminding one another of what God says to us and not what the world says to us. Nigerian theology professor Yusufu Turaki says, the path to maturity involves all the believers being united in their faith and having a common knowledge in the Son of God. The ultimate goal is to have all members and the church as a whole become complete in Christ. 
Lack of maturity leads to stunted growth, which believers, uh, with believers remaining like infants, dependent on others and open to every influence. A lack of sound doctrine and teaching will result in a fragmented church with a weak faith and an inadequate knowledge of Christ. Immature Christians accept whatever they're told by teachers who may be motivated by greed or who rely on purely human wisdom. With no stable rock to stand on, weak Christians are tossed around and become unstable. The mature, however, have grown in their faith and knowledge of Christ and see all things from Christ's perspective. Actually, even this morning, when you listen to me, listen to the words that I've prepared for you, test it. You know, you're supposed to. You're supposed to, is what I'm saying true? Does it line up with Scripture? That's what we should be doing as mature Christians, to read for ourselves and to know and understand and grow deeper in our knowledge of God. As Christians, we've got to come together in unity and constantly remind one another of the truth that we believe. The goal is to grow in maturity together, that we might be a people who focus on the hope and the future that we have through Jesus. And that's our motivation, that we might see life from his perspective, that we might stand on the stable rock that is Jesus so that nothing can blow us off course. That's what Christian maturity looks like. No matter the circumstance, no matter what you face, I stand rooted uh, to the rock of my salvation. That is Jesus. That's, that is Christian maturity. Growing in maturity is something that Paul writes about often, actually, when he's speaking to the churches that he's engaged with. And I'll give you another example, this time from one Colossians. He's writing to the church in Colossae, uh, which is another major city in Asia Minor, so a very similar location to that of, uh, of Ephesus. But this time he writes to that church, for this reason, since the day we heard about you, we've not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you might have great endurance and patience and giving joyful thanks to the Father who's qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. Even here, the prayer for the church in Colossae for Paul is that they be filled with the knowledge of God's will, to be given wisdom and understanding to grow in the knowledge of God. Paul writes about and speaks about a growing and a deepening maturity that the believers are to have. And the question is, why? Why grow up in maturity? And the answer is so that we might have endurance and patience and to bear fruit for the work that we have to do for him. Mature Christians endure. That's what mature Christians do. And mature Christians bear fruit. And that's what we want to see. I've spoken about this annoying fig tree in my garden for a little while now. And it really is starting to wind me up. So any gardening advice, not from Rich, but others, um, you're, you're welcome to give it to me. Um, but this fig tree in my garden, we bought it from when it was very, very young, okay? We planted it in the ground, and from year one, I was expecting fruit, okay? I've invested money in this fig tree. I want figs, right? That's the whole point. And so you get through year one, no figs, nothing happened. I mean, there's a few leaves, but you're like, is this tree dead? What's going on? You get through year two, and I mean, there's more leaves, but still no figs. We've got absolutely nothing. And the years go on and on and on, and eventually you get into year three, year four, and we're just starting to get some figs. We had a few last summer, didn't we, Anne? Just a few. And this year, I feel like this year is my year for this tree, all right? <laughs> this is the year. If you want figs this year, you come to me, all right? I've got all the figs. 
but it's taken years for this, for this tree to mature and to grow and to deepen. And actually, you go online and you have a look, and it's supposed to. It's supposed to take a few years. Fig trees aren't supposed to bear fruit in year one. They take time for those re- roots to go down and to deepen so that this tree can grow and mature and develop and bear fruit. It requires time. There's no overnight fix when it comes to a fruit tree. I think that's what we need to work towards and have an understanding of, that actually Christian maturity, there's no quick overnight fix. It takes time. It takes us rooting ourselves deep down into Jesus day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, so that our roots go deep down, so that we're not um, moved by the waves of culture, but we're ready to stand firm when trouble does strike. It means praying and reading scripture and reminding ourselves that our identity is in him, not how the world might define us. With these deep roots, we've got the knowledge and understanding to stand against trouble when it comes or when we're ridiculed for what we believe. We won't be tempted to walk away. The second life doesn't go the way we want to, but we know and understand that God is our refuge in all situations so that we can have endurance and patience in how we conduct ourselves. Christians are meant to endure, and that takes time. It isn't just Paul's New Testament writings that offer us encouragements to grow into a maturity of faith. I'll give you some other, uh, some other references as well, just to show you that actually this is a really core theme and a focus on growing in maturity and focusing on Jesus. Uh, the passage in Hebrews here, Hebrews 5, is actually written under the title, Warning Against Fallen Away. And it tells recipients in Hebrews 5, anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainting with the teaching about righteousness, but solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Or you could turn to the Apostle Peter in his first letter to Christians in, again, Asia Minor, Uh, where we find Ephesus and where we find Colossae. And here in 1 Peter 2, he says, Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk so that you may grow up in your salvation now that you've tasted that the Lord is good. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. We actually spoke about Jesus as our cornerstone last week. Rich came and talked about Jesus as our cornerstone, the cornerstone of our faith, the one rejected by human leaders who becomes the cornerstone, the living stone of our faith. And Peter's urging the believers to grow in spiritual maturity and depth of understanding of their identity in Jesus. He calls them to grow up grow up in your salvation, become living stones for the gospel, the pillars that churches can be built on that God will use for his kingdom that requires maturity. If you're new to church or wouldn't call yourself a Christian, I'm so glad that you're here and that you've stuck with me so far and you're so welcome to be here with us. And I want to assure you that this message is for you as well. Jesus invites you this morning to a life of adventure with him. He, Jesus died for you so that you might have freedom to know him and to walk with him every day and to grow in maturity with him and to be rooted in him and not to be blown about by whatever culture says. And you can start that journey even today. And if that's you, I'd love to talk to you more about what it means to follow Jesus. So please do come find me at the end. And for the Christian, we've got to be resolved that we take seriously the biblical charge for us to grow in maturity. Great... uh, as a, a great Christian, Jonathan Edwards, you can go and read about it. He's got a fa- absolutely fantastic um, 
of books written about him, memoirs that, he's, that, that are written by him. And he wrote about growing in maturity even as early as his college days. And in his college days, he wrote this. Uh, he is resolved, resolved to study the scriptures so steadily, constantly, and frequently that I may find and plainly perceive myself to grow in the knowledge of the same. These great Christian uh, examples from history actually knew what it was to grow up in maturity. Not only did they uh, know what it was, they desired it, they were eager for it, they were resolved in it that they wanted to grow in the knowledge of God. Time and time again, New Testament scripture calls Christians not just to believe, but to a depth of maturity in that belief, to grow and develop and put roots deep down into faith so that you won't be blown about by the winds of culture and that you'll be able to stand strong no matter what life might bring. Uh, The metaphor of an infant and drinking milk and an adult and uh, spiritual uh, meat food is often used in Scripture when talking about growth into spiritual maturity. And one of the reasons that it's used so often is because it's quite easy to understand. We've got some babies in the room today, and I'm sure if I spoke to the parents and said, how's life going for you? Actually, at, at infant stage, they are so dependent. They need everything. They need you to clothe them and change them and carry them and move them and get them to sleep and on and on and on and on. And it can be exhausting. But the whole point is that they're supposed to grow up into maturity. When my daughters were babies, they were dependent on us for everything. We had to do everything for them. And I'm very pleased now to be through the nappy stage. No more nappies in the hobby household for the first time in nearly a decade. So we're, we're absolutely delighted by that. But as they grow and uh, get more independent, life has changed for us. Now they're heading out on overnight school trips. All of a sudden, they're not in our house overnight anymore. And what's that like? You know, This week, Evelyn baked a cake, uh, some cakes for us, and she did a pretty good job of doing it by herself. Like All of a sudden, I've got a baker in the house. She was doing a very good job until Penny dumped a whole pot of sprinkles on top and ruined the, ruined the whole thing. But that's, again, the difference between infants and, and growing up, isn't it? Um, but you know, that, that it's an absolute joy for us to see our children grow up. That's the point. They're supposed to develop into resilient, self-sufficient young women. And hopefully Emma and I are doing our job right so that they do grow up into, uh, into uh, resilient, self-sufficient young women who know what it is to have their lives rooted and established in Jesus. That's my prayer for them. And as much as I hate to think about how quickly time's passing and how quickly my children are growing, that's the point. And it's a joy to see them grow and mature. And we want to see that in them so that when they grow into full maturity, they'll grow up to be established in who they are in Jesus. And that's the goal with our faith. When we become Christians, we're just at the beginning of our journey, of our understanding of faith, but we're not supposed to stay there. As we read more, as the Holy Spirit works into our lives more, as we pray and listen to God, as we understand the depths of Jesus' sacrifice for us more and more, we deepen our roots in God, and it brings maturity, which brings fruit. Mm. A strong tree is supposed to be anchored into the ground so that it's not blown about by the wind. The roots go deep to give it strength so that when adversity comes, when the weather comes, it can withstand. Mm. And so with our maturing faith, our roots go deep into God so that we can, under, so that we can withstand adversity. We won't be tossed about by wind and wave by cultural tides or political opinion, but will hold on to the truth that has stood throughout history and will stand not on our own strength, but on the strength that our roots have been established in Jesus by God the Father and the power of the Holy Spirit. When good times come, it means that we can stand and give thanks and celebrate like we have done today. And when adversity strikes, we can stand and give thanks for God our refuge, who's there to help us withstand and persevere and endure. 
like I said, as somebody in my very, very late early 30s. I need to hear from older Christians in this room who've walked in my shoes to tell me that I'm not the only one who's had this issue with my children or had to balance work and young children and church and the differing priorities that I've got in life. I want to hear from older believers who've handled the pressures of work faithfully over many years to tell me it's okay, I'm going to get through this, it'll be fine, who've overcome adversity through a perseverance in faith. We have our youth in with us today, they've not gone out, and actually I think we've got a responsibility to them. Actually, that's not just the responsibility of the parents, but as a church community, it's our responsibility to speak strength and life and Jesus into the young people in this church. And so I encourage you to get alongside them. We should be doing that week after week. I tell you, the most encouraging moment that I've had in the last couple of weeks was sat on Grace and Morris's sofa a couple of weeks ago. And Morris, bless him, is having all sorts of health problems at the moment. He's actually in hospital today, so you can pray for him this afternoon. But that man was full of faith full of strength in God. That's what Christian maturity looks like. Grace, bless her, alongside her husband, telling me, you've got to pray for your kids. Pray for your kids every day. I was grateful for that advice, and that's, that's Christian maturity. That's what that is. In spite of adversity, can I commend Morris and Grace to you? Pray for them. There are so many others in this community that have, uh, that have stood uh, faithfully through adversity. Leslie, Mark, you've been a strength to me in the last couple of weeks as you've gone through adversity and you've been faithful in it. Good on you, you know? These, there are many, many examples of people who have uh, understood what it, what it is to have adversity, but their roots go deep in Jesus, so they withstand. And that's an example to us. And as a church, we should, uh, we should commend them for it. I commend you for it. And there are many, many more examples as well of people who are standing faithfully in spite of adversity. That is Christian maturity, and we want to see more of it. I'm so thankful to you all in this room for that. We should be encouraging one another with testimonies of God's goodness in our lives. But I think we should also be encouraging each other when adversity strikes and still we're praising God. We turn up and walk through these doors with our hands in the air and say, God is still faithful, even in those moments. That is an encouragement to us as a church. And we should stand alongside those people and give thanks for it because they are mature people among us. And we want to to, uh, see their example and follow it as well. Even when prayers aren't immediately, immediately answered, even when times aren't good, when things are hard, actually, in these circumstances, our hope is still in Jesus, and God is still glorified, and he's still in a work about, uh, about a work in our lives, and we've still got a hope in our eternal future to help keep our strength, and that's what maturity is. That's why we spend so much time doing what we do on a Sunday morning when we come together each week. It's not, no matter how good the band are, and they were particularly brilliant this morning, actually it's not about coming to be entertained, it's about coming to lift our eyes out of our own circumstances to something bigger than ourselves. We come to give glory to God, to orient ourselves for the week ahead on the eternal truths of who we are through Jesus, and to grow in a depth of maturity together as we encourage one another and sit under the word. It's why we preach through books of the Bible. Next week we're starting a series through 1 and 2 Thessalonians that we're going to be uh, in for the next few weeks. And we'll read week by week uh, uh, through 1 and 2 Thessalonians to help deepen our faith through Scripture. 1 and 2 Thessalonians are letters from Paul to bring encouragement to the church in Macedonia, to commend them for standing strong in their faith despite persecution, for being mature, and to remind them that what they hope for shapes what they live for, and that's God. That's why we're going through these letters over the next few weeks, because we want to instill that in us as well. What we hope for uh, is what we live for. So while we've got Dawn with us, who's going to come and speak to us across this week and come and encourage us in different topics, because we want to grow in a depth of maturity. We're so grateful to have 
uh, to, have, to have Dawn with us doing that. It's why refuge is our theme for the year as a church, and it's something that we felt uh, really on our hearts to focus on, because we want to know God as refuge in every aspect of life. It's why we've spent weeks in a series called God of Refuge, as we've looked through the Psalms, understanding what it means for us to have God as our refuge, because we want to be rooted and established and firm so that we know that even when adversity does come, our refuge is in God. We're a people that won't be moved because, because God is faithful, and we know that God is faithful in the good and God is faithful in the bad. He's our refuge and our strength and our foundation, and so we won't be moved. That's why we're doing it. That's why we're doing it. Being a Christian doesn't mean that life's pain-free, that money and good times and good health will follow. In fact, being a Christian can sometimes mean the exact opposite. Life is tough and challenging and painful and joyful and sweet and fulfilling and hard and all those things as well. Liam, a few weeks ago, used an example out of Philippians 4.13 as a verse that's quite often misquoted. He talked about it in the context of sports people who say, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Is this idea that on the court, they're going to be strengthened to super, superhuman levels to be able to win the game or compete better on the field. I don't know quite what happens when there's a Christian on each team. Does God then have to choose which one gets the most strength? I'm not sure. But uh, Liam pointed out that actually uh, the context of that verse is so important. Um, it says, Philippians 4, starting in verse 11 to 13, I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secrets of being content in every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Paul, who wrote the letter to the church in Ephesus, the one that we've been looking at today, as well as these verses in Philippians, knew what it was like to experience the fullness of life. He experienced the joys and the highs. He knew what it was to see God do amazing things. He sat and feasted with friends, but he also knew adversity. He knew what it was like to be beaten and imprisoned and shipwrecked. And in all of those things, he was able to persevere through Christ who strengthened him, in the highs and in the lows. God is our refuge, as we've preached. And he was able to persevere through Christ who strengthened him. And we're to persevere through Christ who strengthens us, that he's our refuge and our strength in the highs and lows. And a maturity of faith understands that and grows in that. And we need to help one another to live that out when those times do come, to stand alongside one another and say, don't worry, God is our refuge. We will stand firm together with you. That's what it looks like to grow in unity and maturity together. Life is wonderful and joyful and complicated and hard and painful and challenging and more. And in all of it, as mature believers, we know that God is with us in every circumstance, that we can praise him in the good and praise him when it's not, that we can do so in unity, encouraging one another in season and out. We can ask and expect that God will give us strength whatever life faces. So I hope that I've been able to show you today that this theme of maturity is sown throughout Scripture as an instruction for the Christian. It's interesting, even this morning, Luanga felt uh, prompted to read from two chronicles, that story uh, of Josephat and how he feared, but then he, that fear turned to worship. And actually, maturity isn't the absence of fear, but a maturity is understanding that that fear can be turned to hope through God so that we can withstand. And that's a really helpful story, even this morning in our, in our worship. As a church, we need to understand that. I want to, I want to persevere. I want to, as I prepared this message this week, I actually kind of sat with these verses and read co commentaries about them, and what struck me most wasn't just the weight of argument that as Christians we're to grow in maturity. That, in one sense, seems obvious, but actually it's the number of verses that call for maturity and endurance of faith together, 
that we're to do it together in unity. The body of believers come together to strengthen one another and grow in maturity and bless one another with gifts that we've been given our deep roots that go into the ground so that we can support one another and remind one another of God's promises when we're prone to forget and speak truth into one another's lives, to stand together for the gospel as a family of God united through Jesus. It's also something I felt was really important for us as a congregation as we grow further into 2024 and all that it's going to bring. It's going to bring some good times for us. I know it will, and I'll be ready to celebrate those. But for those of us, myself included, sat here, it's also going to bring some adversity. And in those moments, I'll need you alongside me saying, God's our refuge, God's our strength. And I hope to be able to do that to you as well. Hebrews 12 says this, Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. There's an old saying that says, if you want to go fast, you go alone. If you want to go far, you go together. And I want to go far. I want to persevere. I want to run the race to the end. And I want you to as well. I want us to do it together. And that means we go together. There's no quick fix. Like I said, maturity takes time and it takes community. We've got a membership course coming up uh, starting on the 28th of February. If you're interested in coming and being a part of this community so that we might join and be strengthened together, you'd be welcome to come and join us as we do that. As a church, we need to fight for unity, to want the best for one another, to stand with one another in prayer and in support in all circumstances, to point one another to Jesus and to speak truth to one another that we might grow in a maturity of faith with roots deep that will have the strength to withstand all things through Jesus. Finishing back in Ephesians 4, Paul urges us to live a life worthy of the calling we've received. And that means for us, we need to be in Scripture all the time to deepen our roots. We need to keep meeting together, making Sunday mornings a priority. My, current, my encouragement to you is to disciple one another, share testimonies, encourage one another, encourage me. We want to be running to the end together. And I want you to as well. Come alongside those who are younger, encourage them. Encourage those who are older, pray for the sick, celebrate with those who are happy, mourn with those who are sad. In all situations, we can pray for one another and keep an eternal perspective on life so that we're not blown about by the winds of our own circumstances and the winds of culture. So, as God put on my heart, I hope I've been able to encourage you today that we as Gateway Church, we as 502, are to grow in maturity and grow in unity, that we do it together so that we can go far, encouraging each other and helping our roots to go down deep in Jesus. Is that okay? Great. Well, if it's okay with you, please do stand. I'd love to pray that into us, and then we'll come back and worship. Father, I thank you that you sent your son to die on the cross to defeat sin and death so that we might have a freedom to come and know you and be in relationship with you and worship you and have you work in our lives to strengthen us and encourage us and comfort us and equip us and more. I thank you for the gift that your church is. Thank you for the gift that this church is, Lord, that we're not to do it alone, but we're to do it together, that we're to stand together, to declare truth and the promises of you together as a community, Mm -hmm. that we're to encourage one another and strengthen one another. 
Lord, I pray for this church. I pray for myself. I pray for my brothers and sisters. I pray for a depth of maturity in us that each and every one of us might endure and persevere to the end, no matter what life throws at us, that we would stand rooted and established in our faith and that we would do so together. Pray that we'd be people who look to Jesus in all things, whose roots go down deep, that we might bear much fruit for you. Lord, we do want to see much fruit here. So I pray that you would grow us and stretch us and deepen us, strengthen our roots, that we might not be blown about by the winds of whatever life has to throw at us in 2024, but instead we'd stand and look to you, have an eternal perspective on life, know that you are good, that you are about a good work in us, that you are about a good work in your church, and that your kingdom will be established forever. Help us to stand firm in that. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 Let's uh, come together and let's sing in Christ alone. My hope is found.